0: Hello, listener. Thank you for being here. You can have a look at my chart as I am telling you the stories, if you wish. I was born on the fourth of November, nineteen sixty-one, at nine thirty p.m. in a city called Laxou, L-A-X-O-U, in France. The last episode was rather dark. This one should be more entertaining. It took me more time than ever to find out the truth about how babies are made. Growing up in an emotionally repressed family, we didn't talk about these things at all. We lived in a small city in the countryside. The emancipating waves of the 70s didn't wash over our fields yet, and I didn't know farmers and cows intimately enough to be confronted to these realities at ground level. I was 11 years old. With my best friend, called Yvonne, we roamed the countryside riding our bicycles. We knew where to find mushrooms, not magic mushrooms and just regular omelet mushrooms. We knew how to tie a hook on a fishing line. We knew a number of fish by their names. We told dirty jokes involving contact between the intimate parts of men and women, but we didn't know what we were talking about. No, these were just things that we said because when you are a kid, you like being silly. You say things you would be punished for if you said them in front of your parents or at school. That's part of being friends. I was in secondary school. The first year at secondary school is the sixth class. In France, we count the other way around. After the sixth comes the fifth, fourth and so on. The natural science teacher was teaching a lesson about reproduction. He was talking about a rooster and a hen, and how the male gamete provided by the rooster was fecundating the female gamete within the hen. I was growing more and more impatient. Something was not clear, so I asked. How come the rooster's cell meets the hen's cell? The teacher seemed not to understand the question. He answered, That is called fecundation. Yeah, okay, I've understood that it is called fecundation. But how come that this cell from the rooster is within the hen? Did the rooster grab the hen and force her to eat it, or what? The entire class was laughing. I wouldn't be surprised to learn when I'm dead and watching the movie of my life in the company of God that a number of classmates were happy I asked the question. Or maybe I was really the only one not to know. The teacher was embarrassed. He didn't give any satisfying answer and went on with the lesson. After school, I asked the one who was there to provide a snack and make sure I wouldn't go out and play without first doing my homework. Maman, I said, I haven't understood the lesson today. She was very ill at ease, but she had a sense of duty, so she gave me a clear enough answer. It passes through your willie. I could feel the tone of her voice. It was a deeply inadequate and very disgusting vibe. She added something essential from the point of view of good morality. But you must like each other very much, otherwise it is not fun. Even more disgusting. I will never do that, I said and that is the only discussion about sex I had with her in my entire life. I felt like I had downloaded a pipeline of disgust. Disgust, you know, it's one of these sticky, dark feelings like guilt or shame. It's difficult to cleanse yourself from that. Scorpio have a reputation for being sexually obsessed and performant, but that is a very incomplete stereotype. Here is one of the deeper meanings of Scorpio, it is a sign of purification. When people talk about the darkness of Scorpio, they imagine resentment, hatred, lust for power, sexual obsession and sadistic urges, but they don't think of the deeper level of darkness, fear, disgust, guilt, shame. Do I forget something? Maybe. Purification is the spiritual task of Scorpio. We have the reputation of being deep. But when you dig deep, you don't find deep and beautiful spiritual truth. When you dig deep, you find yourself in the psychic sewage. It stinks. It's corrupt. And you crave for renewed innocence. One day, my friend Yvonne suggested we go to the rubbish tip to look for batteries. Sometimes, the local regiment dumped big loads of used batteries, so some may still be good. Today, at the same place, there is a recycling center. If you bring rubbish, it has to go straight into the right bin. There are staff and barriers. But at that time we could just go with our bicycles. The path led to heaps of rubbish we could explore. And there were batteries. I also found a comic strip book of a special kind, or oh, nothing hardcore really, especially by comparison to, to what you may find in two clicks on the internet. No, only one to one heterosexual enthusiasm was depicted there. The characters were young and beautiful. The disturbing embraces shown in these comic strips didn't happen out of the blue. They were brought about by means of stories. From the depths of my childhood, I'm going to tell you one of them. It's beautiful like a Greek tragedy. A man is digging in the basement of his home. The reason for this digging is not very clear, nor very important. Maybe some deep plumbing job. He comes across a big boulder. Tough luck. It is as big as himself. The man digs around the stone, bangs at it. As he does, a magnetic field starts emanating from the rock. A consciousness slowly awakes inside. The man becomes obsessed by this boulder. He feels compelled to take it on with a chisel and hammer. Inside the stone, a thought arises. At last, I have been waiting for so long. Guided by the magnetic field, the man extracts, without causing it any damage, an alluring feminine face eyes closed, framed with long and sensual sleek hair. Then a bust appears, magnificent breasts, and soon the whole naked body of the most bewitching creature is freed from the rock. She opens her eyes. She moves slowly. She looks at the man, and talks, with a voice we can only imagine, as sensual as her almond eyes and plum lips. I am Morgan. I thank you, stranger, for freeing me from that stone. Don't fear me. Her magnetism is palpable. The man is mesmerized. He wants to reach out to her, but with a sign of the hand she stops him. No! No! Don't touch me. Why? asks the man. If you do, you will want to make love. And if we make love, you will be turned into stone, she says. I am grateful. You are my savior. I don't want to cause you harm. Morgan, Morgan, says the man. I love you. Yes, I know, says Morgan. They settle in a little room in the basement of the house. He prepares breakfast for her. She looks fantastic, sitting on a chair, drinking from a mug. He can't take his eyes away from her. "'Morgan, Morgan, I beg you!' "'If this is really what you want,' she says. She lies down on a bunk. She welcomes him between her open thighs. She wraps her arms around him, presses herself against his chest, puts a hand on the back of his neck. His face disappears in her hair. She sighs. In a cloud of abandonment and shining stars, they become one. Final picture. He is alone on the bunk. His legs are stone already. He is propped up on an elbow, reaching out the other arm towards her. He cries out her name Morgan, Morgan! You wanted it, she says, leaving the room with a little smile at the corner of her lips. My friend Yvonne was rummaging through dismantled cardboard boxes. He found nothing worth keeping. I left the book where it belonged, in the rubbish. I couldn't take that home. It's a terrible sin. I left it there and I kept the memory. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us poor sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Another surprise contributed to stimulate my erotic fantasies. The annual fanfare was in full swing on the marketplace merry-go-rounds with little planes going up and down, bumper cars, shooting galleries, a lot of noise. I spotted a vending machine which showcased plastic snakes and spiders. I wanted one. I put a coin in the slot, pulled the drawer. Would I get a spider or a snake? I was disappointed. I got a deck of cards. I found that so disloyal. I paid for a spider or a snake, I didn't want cards." Looking more closely, it was a deck of the fascinating kind. Most showed women only, but one card was more graphic, just exciting simplicity. A woman, two men, perfect naked bodies, especially the woman, one of the men. Doesn't count. She's doing something to him, but we don't care. The other man is doing the right thing. Pictures like that are quicker to memorize than geography lessons. It was long before the Internet, I told you. Only one picture was enough. The movies were in my mind. Emotional storms were released. A forbidden and shameful paradise had become all I may ever want penetrating another being, disappearing in a magic ocean of feminine bliss. But at school, if a girl liked me, I could only blush. I I felt as if my mind was an open and despicable book. I I felt the way I had learned to feel about myself, basically. I would also discover later that another part of me could also adore girls in a worshipping way, uh, and see kind of like only pure angels in some of them. I would find myself torn, split into two irreconcilable halves, both craving for two opposite and irreconcilable kinds of bliss, both being rather disconnected from reality. Lived on my own and not shared with anyone. By comparison, the rest of life, school, family, society, seemed, for the most part, nothing but a bloodless masquerade. If there was something I needed to learn in one word, it was integration. Thank you for your attention. Don't hesitate to share, I believe it's useful, don't you think so?